It's been more than 40 years since the body of a young woman was discovered along a rural road near Seneca in Grundy County. Forty years later, the mystery remains unsolved. Officials don't even know the identity of the body they found. They simply call her Jane Seneca Doe. Cold Cases goes out of the area to hopefully help solve this crime. Carol Vorell, our longtime news director, talked to officials about the case. They're very optimistic that something can be done because of the advancements of technology. We'll come back with the case and the details after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week. From Dave Gentry's Morning Show to Scott Beatty's News Hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. They call me Jane Seneca Doe. They've called me that for more than 40 years, even though that's not my real name. Someone shot me and dumped my body along a highway in north-central Illinois, near Seneca. And no one knows who I am or where I come from. Can you help me in answer the questions, who did this to me and why? It's a cold case that has haunted and frustrated longtime Grundy County Coroner John Callahan from the time he joined the office in the mid-1990s. Knowing that someone remained unidentified and was buried in his county, her case still open and unsolved. And knowing a family somewhere was living with a terrible loss, with questions and heartache over what happened to their loved one who went missing and seeking some kind of closure. It just always bothered me knowing that we had someone unidentified and buried. So it was always a desire or a goal of mine to be able to try to dig into it and try to see what we could come up with. And I actually had opened it up a few times over the years, but unfortunately I didn't have the help that I have today. In the last few years, Callahan has become much more hopeful Jane Seneca Doe will know who she is. He has finally been able to add staff, including Deputy Coroner Brandon Johnson, creating the manpower not only to meet the daily demands of the office, but also the ability to reopen the case in the fall of 2017 and take advantage of the many advancements in technology, communications, and social media. Johnson jumped right into the effort to unravel the long-standing mystery surrounding the identity and death of this young woman. A puzzle that begins around 3.30 on a Saturday afternoon when a farmer found her body in a grassy area along U.S. Route 6 near a bridge near Seneca, not far from Interstate 80. The area is roughly halfway between LaSalle, Peru and Joliet. It was October 2nd, 1976. Deputy Coroner Brandon Johnson. Upon their arrival, they found uh, the body of an African-American female. Uh, she was uh, laying nude on her side in a grassy uh, area of that field, right in the ditch area. Uh, she had been uh, shot in the back of the head. She had a multicolored uh, red 
black and white cardigan type sweater wrapped around her head as well as a plastic bag and electrical tape taped to that. So her head was all wrapped up? Correct. Uh, we believe that this crime had actually occurred elsewhere and she was uh, merely just dumped at this site and that the wrapping of the sweater was maybe to contain the blood to absorb it or something along those lines. Jane Seneca Doe was believed to be 5'7 and weighed 150 pounds. She had black Afro-type hair. It's not known if that red, white, and black cardigan sweater that was wrapped around her head belonged to her. Initially, she was believed to be between 18 and 23 years old, but that would be changed. Johnson says it appeared she had been dead less than 24 hours when she was found. Her body probably dumped there during that Friday evening. The autopsy um, at, at the time showed a, a single gunshot wound to the back of her head. It was a, a 38 caliber bullet which was recovered. Uh, there was nothing else found at the time going back to 1976. To the best of their efforts, they noted that there did not appear to be any sexual assault, no other review as far as the autopsy goes. Back then, there was no DNA. There was not. At the time, they had uh, they reached out to the uh, Bureau of Identification, and they, they did uh, fingerprint uh, testing to search their records to see if they could match anything up with what they had in their database. Unfortunately, that was not successful. Uh, so at, at this point, I imagine she probably uh, laid in a morgue for, for weeks to follow. It's my understanding that investigators at the time had released uh, an image of, of the female to uh, local newspapers in the hopes that uh, maybe somebody would recognize her and come forward and identify her. Well, the local papers they released it to back then was the Morris Daily Herald and other just area newspapers. So if this female being from somewhere else, the family wouldn't have, have seen this. Weeks later, in 1976, the then coroner purchased a burial plot at Braceville Gardner Cemetery in Braceville. That's between Braidwood and Dwight. It happens to be the same cemetery where one of the victims of serial killer John Wayne Gacy is buried. On Thanksgiving Day in 1976, Jane Seneca Doe was buried as an indigent in an unmarked grave alone. The case soon stalled. The tragedy also haunts Johnson. But the fact that she's been an unmarked grave without a headstone for all these years is, is bothersome. So our goal moving forward is if we're going to try our best to, to give her the name that she deserves and we're going to exhaust all options possible in the course of doing so. And if we're not able to, to come up with that name, we're at least going to honor her with, with some sort of headstone. In reviewing the original handwritten reports and files, Johnson says he found that the few leads at the time didn't pan out. Back then, the only tools available to investigators were fingerprints and dental records. He says no match was found on the fingerprints and apparently no search was done for dental records. It's not clear when the case went cold. When the case was reopened in the fall of 2017, Johnson was initially working only with the original photos and reports. 
he found artists who were able to provide sketches from an autopsy photo of what Jane Seneca Doe may have looked like at the time she was murdered. You can see these sketches on our website along with this podcast. He submitted her description and other information to the vast number of resources and databases available now, including media outlets. So at the the time, we had some better staffing. I had resources to throw in, and we all collaborated as a team, myself, uh, Corner Callahan, Chief Deputy, and Simoniak, and we hit the ground running with it. There were a lot more resources now. I'm I'm pretty tech-savvy. I had heard of NamUs and other uh, missing persons, unidentified persons databases out there. I started to, you know, reach out to them, uh, learn more about what they were about and the resources they offered, and finally entered her into their database. I've worked with the Doe Network, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, being that the female could have been 18 years old. Now we have their help even more because the age has changed to 15 to 27, so she could have been a teenager. So we've had a lot of resources from them, uh, the Illinois State Police Crime Lab, uh, also uh, NCIC, National Crime Information Center, We have her in the nationwide database for an identified person, along with her dental records, as well as uh, we've also worked with the University of uh, North Texas Center for Human Identification in Fort Worth, Texas. They partner together with uh, NamUs, so through the Department of Justice. This push to identify Jane Seneca Doe produced about 15 leads. Sadly, though, most didn't pan out. But Johnson is still pursuing three of those leads, emotions, All over the place, Coroner Callahan says, when among those leads, they thought they may have found her mother in Chicago. But high hopes of a match sunk into disappointment and heartbreak for Callahan, Johnson, and a family. Coroner Callahan. To go to a lady's home in probably one of the worst sections of Chicago and to see her and interact with her for a couple hours look at pictures she's got on the wall. It was just such an amazing feeling, sad, but yet joyful that we might be onto something. We might be the ones that are able to bring her closure. Unfortunately, at this point, that didn't pan out, but it hasn't been ruled out completely. All the hard work and disappointments do take their toll, but Deputy Coroner Johnson says he is determined to forge ahead with the investigation into finding out who she is. It's in his heart. It could be very frustrating. Come pretty close to, to what I thought would be closing this case out, giving her the name that she deserves, only to, to fail sometimes and be told that it's not a match. It's It's discouraging at times, but get a lot of support from the public, a lot of support from the families that I'm working with, and just just moving forward, it's it's an accomplishment to be doing this now, and to be privileged to to be doing this as well, to bring this this woman justice after all these years. After all of this, they still didn't have much to work with until December. That's when the case of Jane Seneca Doe took another giant step forward and entered the new world of forensics and technology, DNA profiles, genetic matches, and other resources such as expanded databases and instant communications. All of this building hopes. In December is when the coroner's office exhumed her body and recovered bones, which Johnson says provide the truest form of DNA. Also hair samples. They've been sent to the University of North Texas to develop a DNA profile. 
And then you will use that findings to do what? To search CODIS, which is the uh, DNA database nationwide, in the hopes that we're going to find somebody that had been reported missing, or we're going to at least have something to retain for the future. Once we're done with, with this profile, we could then bring that profile in for the genealogy aspect in the hopes of really finding a family if they were not reported already. Of the long list of organizations, websites, and social media postings offering help, one that Johnson is working closely with is the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, known as NamUs, a free database funded and operated by the National Institute of Justice out of the University of North Texas, created in 2005. Todd Matthews is the Director of Case Management Communication for NamUs. NamUs was created to be a public database so that a certain degree of information can be shared with the public. Law enforcement, medical examiners, coroners have a deep review into medical records, you know, that, that sort of record for human identification, biometrics that we can use to compare, like dental records, DNA, fingerprints. But I think it was important that everybody had the same first stop. So from a national standpoint of quality control, all of us looking at the same data instead of variations of data in different websites, we all have one place to start. Law enforcement have a deeper view. The public have a general view, which is the same core data. They're looking at the same type of file that law enforcement and medical examiner community is looking at. So that's, that's really important that we're all seeing the same verbiage, uh, the same description. And, you know, the public being there, they can often provide tips. They might remember having seen a missing person, or they might be able to help identify a John or Jane Doe. Matthew says it's hoped that more law enforcement, coroners, medical examiners, and members of the public enter information into this database and use it. It has to be used to be very, very successful. So you can't solve a missing person case using the system if you've not entered that person in the system. And once they're entered, you get a host of free resources, forensic odontology, dentistry, uh, the DNA, all of that's paid for. Once the case has a number in NamUs, all of these forensic services are available in case management with some of our team that's going to help walk you through some of the things that you might need. In an effort to make the database more complete, Matthews says four states, including Illinois, have passed laws requiring that law enforcement agencies, coroners, and medical examiners enter files of missing persons and unidentified remains into the NamUs system within 30 days. This doesn't prevent, though, entering the information into other databases as well. In the meantime, Johnson and Callahan are still awaiting results of the DNA profile from the University of North Texas before taking the next step to see if there is an ancestry match. The latest forensic advancement, Deputy Coroner Johnson. Once University of North Texas has uh, completed their part of the DNA development, we will be working with the DNA Doe Project, which is an organization in another state that primarily does testing for genealogy, usually funded by fundraisers for each case, because it is costly, and genealogy is some of the best DNA these days, as we've seen recently with other cases, the Golden Gate Killer. We've heard about 23andMe and Ancestry. We need something more law enforcement friendly. We can't use 23andMe and we can't use Ancestry. So we're finding ourselves going to a more skilled lab like DNA Doe Project. So when you were saying that you can't use those two company yes. DNA profiles, why is that? Mainly, uh, it's, we can't use them because they only take saliva, and we don't have saliva. 
for our Jane Doe. Also, since the Golden Gate situation broke, they've, they've kind of stayed away from law enforcement. They don't willingly want to be involved with any litigations or anything that would come from that. But Johnson says early dental DNA has already led to a change in the age description of Jane Seneca Doe, from the initial estimation of 18 to 23 to between 15 and 27 years old. Can you even imagine what it will feel like when you are able to solve this case? It's going to feel amazing. The weight's going to be just lifted off of my shoulders, and it'll be good to not have an unsolved case just sitting there. And to answer, you know, families and give them the answers that they need after all these years wondering where their loved one's been. Absolutely. 42 years. 42 years. Going on 43 years. It's just mind-boggling how... Nobody could be missing anyone. It's, it's someone to somebody, whether it's a friend, a sister, a daughter, a cousin, somebody's missing someone. It's such a small world these days with the advancements in technology, social media, and people moving around. So the Grundy County Coroner's Office reached out to us to see if anyone in our area can help them solve her case and bring closure to her family. Look at these sketches. Do you recognize her face? The sweater? Is your family missing someone from 1976? Or know a family who is missing someone from around that time? If so, call the Grundy County Coroner's Office at 815-941-3359. That's 815-941-3359. You can also find out a lot more information on Facebook at Grundy County Cold Case. Remember, your tip could be the one that uncovers who she is. Coroner Callahan. No matter how minute someone may think their piece of knowledge is, it could be the lucky break that we're looking for. If somebody recalls that they had a second, third, fourth, whatever cousin that went missing in that time frame and that type of thing, or if you have a felon out there that maybe was incarcerated somewhere along the line and had overheard a conversation of someone dumping a body. I mean, you just don't know what's out there. So I just ask that, you know, no matter how small you think your piece of information may be, it could be that ginormous step that we're looking for. And still, justice for the way she died remains elusive. Police can't even begin tracking down whoever did this until she is identified, and it's known where she is from. But Coroner Callahan remains hopeful for a lucky break. If you want to report a missing person, Deputy Coroner Johnson says it's best to contact your local law enforcement agency right away. There's no waiting period anymore. And Matthews encourages you to use NamUs at NamUs.gov if you're looking for someone or want to add someone into the database. I want to reach out to the families of the missing to make sure if they have a missing person to make sure they're either in NamUs If they are, that we have as much information as we need, and they can reach out to make sure if there's additional photographs, biometric information, DNA samples from family reference samples that we need. That's a good opportunity for them to let us know. Medical examiners and law enforcement, we need medical examiners and law enforcement to not only be registered users of NamUs so that they're registered and vetted as law enforcement, which gives them access to a vast array of resources and information on the missing and unidentified persons. We need to make sure they register it users and enter their cases into NamUs.
complete records as possible. We need dental, DNA, fingerprints, everything that's available. So this is a direct appeal to law enforcement that have not used NamUs. If you're not using NamUs, I want you to. Please get into NamUs, and you can make a difference. I promise. If you start working with NamUs, you will improve your situation. After all these years, Coroner Callahan can't give up his pursuit to find out who Jane Seneca Doe really is and looks forward to the day he can tell her grieving family we have found her and bring them closure, a feeling he says he can't even put into words. It would be the most satisfying part of my career to to be able to solve this. And I love what I do, but it would be truly the, the icing on the cake, so to speak, to be able to solve this. I can't imagine when the day comes, I'm not going to say if, but when the day comes that we're able to face-to-face with the family, whether it's cousin or sister, you know, whatever it is, but to be able to to look them in the eyes and say, this this is truly your sister or whatever um, relationship, but to be able to tell the immediate family that we have identified their loved one. I mean, I, I can imagine what that feels like, but I know after being in that lady's living room in Inglewood to the look on her face and the hope in her eyes that she had that this could be her daughter was just, it's hard to even explain. So yeah, it would be tremendous. I'm Carol Varell.